Zechariah chapter 11. Open your doors, O Lebanon, that fire may devour your cedars. Wail, O Cypress, for cedar has fallen and the glorious trees are ruined. Wail, oaks of Bashan, for the thick forest has been failed. The sound of the wail of the shepherds, for their glory is ruined. The sound of the roar of the lions, for the thicket of Jordan is ruined. Thus says the Lord my God, become a shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. For those who buy them, slaughter them and go unpunished. And those who sell them say, blessed be the Lord, I have become rich. And their own shepherds have no pity on them. For I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land, declares the Lord. Behold, I will cause each of them to fall into the hand of his neighbor, and each into the hand of his king, and they shall crush the land, and I will deliver none from their hand. So I became the shepherd of the flock, doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders. And I took two staffs, one I named Favor, the other I named Union. And I tended the sheep. In one month, I destroyed the three shepherds. And I became impatient with them. And they also detested me. So I said, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die, let die. What is to be destroyed, let it be destroyed. And let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. And I took my staff favor and I broke it, annulling the covenant I made with all the peoples. So it was annulled on that day. And the sheep traders who were watching me, they knew it was the word of the Lord. Then I said to them, if it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as is my wages 30 pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, the lordly price at which I was priced by them. And so I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. Then I broke my second staff, union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. Then the Lord said to me, Take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd. For behold, I am raising up in the land a shepherd who does not care for those being destroyed or seek the young to heal the main or nourish the healthy, but devours the flesh of the fat ones, tearing off even their hooves. Woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered, his right eye utterly blinded. Amen. Well, it's a bit of an odd chapter, isn't it? I mean, a lot's going on there. 
um, the flow of it, it could be kind of hard to follow. So I want you to imagine, uh, if you would, a play. Uh, uh, a play is being performed. That play has three acts. Because there are three acts to this chapter, this drama that is unfolding before us. Three acts. The first act, act one, is this dirge, this funeral dirge of coming judgment. You notice the, the first act begins with singing. They're, they're singing a song, verses 1 through 3. It, but, but this song's not a joyful song. This song is a dirge. It's, it's a wailing song. This is a lament that would be used at funerals and times of weeping. They're lifting up a voice, and it's a wailing song. And, and it is Zechariah who is singing, uh, and he's calling these false shepherds of Judah, Come, join me. And they're about to begin singing. Notice they're going to be singing their own funeral song. Just ahead of time. But they're singing their own funeral song because their doom is certain. Their doom is sure. Their destruction is, is fast approaching. Verses 1 and 2. Notice he calls them to wail and he depicts this terrible forest fire. So you can imagine that, right? Canada, you've got all these forest fires going on. That smoke is even coming here. And, and they said this last week in Cincinnati, if you're outside, it's like smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. All that smoke coming down. Well, that's what he starts with here is a forest fire. Well, this terrible forest fire raging. The forest of Lebanon being wiped out, cypress and cedars and oak. Imagine them being blackened and charred as this fire just comes through. Trees falling to the ground. This, he says, is this is how God's wrath is going to fall upon those who should have cared for the flock of God, but did not. Instead, they preyed on the flock of God. They preyed on them for their own benefit, for their own good. Verse 3, that wailing he has in mind, it is the sound of the wailing of the shepherds because these false shepherds, their glory is ruined. God is going to judge them. God's going to judge these bad shepherds. It's a terrible thing, friends. Uh, to be entrusted with the care of God's people, to uh, protect and lead and guide and, and nurture, and, and but instead you neglect them. You abuse them for your own gain. It's a terrible thing. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God whose people they are. Now, in the New Testament, the Bible actually gives us specific characteristics, ways to examine both elders and deacons, to, to, to examine their lives. We'll just take a moment, and this is a great time just for application. If you are an elder here, or if you're a deacon here, or if you've been a deacon here, or if you're going to be a deacon or an elder in the future, 
Don't miss this sobering warning. This, a call to an office where you are serving and you're ministering and you're caring for God's people, to not treat that the way you should, to treat that with indifference, to treat that with callousness, or to treat that for your own personal gain, maybe for the title or for namesake. Familiarity breeds contempt, doesn't it? It's a truism. But I just ask the leaders in this church, consider this warning. Maybe you've been a deacon here for 20 years, 30 years. Maybe you've been a pastor here for 10 years. This is a warning, isn't it? Do not be indifferent to the ministry among God's people that you have. James 3.1 reminds us, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We must constantly be reminded, right? The Lord sees and knows, and the Lord holds accountable. Hebrews 13.17, remember that passage where he says, submit to your leaders in the church. And then he says, for they shepherd you, how? Is one who will give an account for your soul. Friends, that's weighty, isn't it? The, the greatest judgment to come, this, 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 the greatest examination is on that last day when the Lord will examine and know the heart. And elders... We'll have to give an account for how we shepherd. And, and, and deacons, you will have to give an account for how you deacon and serve. Hear this warning. There is this sobering warning. And that's Act 1. Look at Act 2. And Act 2 is the largest portion of this text. There is lots here from verse 4 all the way to verse 14. The, the funeral lament is over, okay? And now the Lord calls on Zechariah to play this role of a good shepherd for these returned exiles in Ju Judah. These returned exiles, though, they have shepherds over them who have doomed them to slaughter verse 4. That's, that's how their leaders think of them. Not as the flock to be tenderly cared for and defended fiercely, but as prey. They're, they're only good for the slaughterhouse. These, these leaders, they're depicted as tradesmen. They buy and sell on open market. And they're quick, aren't they, to sound very pious, very religious. What do they say? Bless the Lord, I have become rich. Bless the Lord, I've become rich while they're abusing the Lord's people. Zachariah's point is they're profiting from the weakness, the vulnerability, 
of God's people, and they're baptizing their greed in false piety. They've got no pity on the flock. They use the flock for their own ends, their own purposes, and it's an ugly scene. Verse 6 actually lets us know it's not just the leaders. The people of Judah, they're, they're actually not much better, are they? He says, I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of the land. I will cause each of them to fall into the hands of his neighbor, each into the hands of the king. They shall be crushed, and they shall crush the land, and I will deliver none from their hand. So the flock and the shepherds have both gone bad. The majority of the sheep have the kind of shepherds they actually deserve. You know, that is typically how it goes. People usually get the leaders they deserve. Notice verse 7. Because this is good. Not everyone in Israel is that way. There is a remnant, a faithful remnant. And look at verse 7. He says, so I became the shepherd of the flock doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders. So uh, those faithful ones who were doomed to be slaughtered, these afflicted, this faithful remnant, who for the sake of their faithfulness and loyalty to the Lord God, they face opposition and insults and harm by these bad shepherds and by the bad sheep alike. Zechariah is being deployed. He's being sent to stand up for them, to defend them, to care for them, the vulnerable among that group. He is to be the champion for them, a true shepherd. They've had bad shepherds. Now the Lord's calling on Zechariah to be a true shepherd for them. They've been neglected. They've been abused. They've been preyed upon. And Zechariah is to be a true shepherd. Two great realities. Notice here. These two symbols that he uses that shape and define his office. These two staffs. You know, shepherds of the day would carry two staffs. You think of Psalm 23, right? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's the normal practice, to have two staffs. And so they're great emblems here of the shepherd's faithfulness and attentiveness to the flock. The one staff he names um, uh, favor, right? One staff would be used to defend them from predators. The other staff uh, used like a shepherd's crook to, to guide, to protect, to, to lead them on their way. Well, Zechariah names his two staffs, one named favor. And it's a reminder to the flock, the covenant people of God, that they live and they grow and they flourish. How? How will, you, how will the church of Jesus Christ, how will you flourish? Only under God's favor. That's the only way. There's no blessing outside of God's favor. And that's, that staff would remind them of God's favor. He's sent among this remnant, and he's to be an agent and a minister of grace in that favor of the Lord, and to remind them of that. And the second staff, notice he, he, he names it union, right? 
And, and this hope is that all the people of God are going to be brought together. So prior to the exile into Babylon, remember what had happened? There was a divided people. You had the southern kingdom, you had the northern kingdom. You had Judah and you had Israel. And there had been persistent strife. There had been struggles among those two for years and years. But this great promise is that all the people of God will one day live together perfectly in unity. And union is graphically symbolized by this second staff that the shepherd carries. The Lord, through Zechariah, is the shepherd in their midst. He will care for them. He, he, he will, there will be great fruit from his care of them. And union is going to be one of the things that result from it. Unity among the people at last. Well, Zechariah does tend to the sheep. He ministers the favor of God. He gives them a glimpse in their own experience, of, in their own lives of unity Together, this is what faithful shepherds do. These two ends, these twin fruit of faithful pastoral service and ministry, the grace and the favor of God, the afflicted, the troubled, and heartfelt union, union between church members, union between God and his people. You know, there's little favor of God when there is disunity in the body. In fact, when there, God's favor is not there, it will be divisive and div racked with division. So, we'll say it again. Another example, elders, deacons. You are the agents of grace and favor, serving the Lord, caring for the afflicted, caring for the flock of Christ's church, and seeking to promote unity. Unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace. So, are we doing that? Notice also in Zechariah's case, uh, as he's caring for the flock, that even extends, doesn't it, to the removal from among the flock of at least three false shepherds here. Three that he says. Look at verse 8. In one month, I destroyed the three shepherds. Now, we don't really know what took place. We don't know who they were. We don't know what the incident was. We don't know what he's referring to. But it is an example of the shepherd's commitment, right? To care for the afflicted people of God and to oppose these false shepherds. Even to the removal of them. To those who would not pursue unity among the people of God. Removal of them. Friends, church discipline is not a pleasant thing. It is 
Never a pleasant thing. But those who endanger the favor of God or the unity of the people of God, it's a necessity. Our culture, though, our culture of niceness and we want to avoid offense at all costs, it seems to dominate, right? So many of are just the ordinary social interactions. We get uncomfortable when we talk about the idea of corrective discipline. But Zechariah is reminding us, right? When there's sin, sin should be dealt with. Those who serve sin, these false shepherds, that was actually an act of love towards the flock of Christ. He was loving them. One of the marks of the favor of God and one of the ways in which Zacharias seeks to protect and advance their unity is removing these false shepherds. But sadly, this ministry that Zechariah has doesn't last, does it? Did you notice that? Eventually, the whole flock is overcome. Sin of the whole flocks, whole flock gets the better of them. Verse 8, I have become impatient with them, and they also detested me. So the sheep turn on the shepherd. Zechariah here, this shepherd representing, remember, the great shepherd, the role of God Almighty among his people. He responds by just washing his hands of them. Verse 9, so I said, I will not be your shepherd. What will die, let it die. What will be destroyed, let it be destroyed. Let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. Friends, that's a chilling statement, isn't it? The flock rejects the shepherds. The shepherd gives them over to the life they choose. They called. Uh, You remember during the Cold War? the standoff between the United States and the Soviet Union. Remember what the standoff was? MAD. M-A-D. Mutually Assured Destruction. Well, that's what happens when the people of God reject the Lord, their shepherd. Mutually Assured Destruction. The flock devours itself. They get the shepherds they deserve, the false shepherds who turn on the sheep. It's a terrible picture, isn't it, of a life of a flock that has a good shepherd and they reject the good shepherd. And what happens? Inevitably, bad shepherd takes place and feeds upon the flock. And friends, that's been carried out, not just in our text, but that's been carried out historically and literally through centuries. Josephus, the ancient um, Jewish historian, he told us about when the city of Jerusalem fell under the emperor Titus in 70 AD. The starving, desperate, Citizens there in Jerusalem, you know what they did? They actually turned to cannibalism. 
They did devour the flesh of one another. Having rejected the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, what Zechariah says takes place. Even the most gruesome part of it, they devoured one another. So to symbolize the judgment of God, what does Zechariah do? He breaks these two staffs. Favor and union. He breaks them. Having broken the first, verse 10, it signals, right, this end of protection of the land. So now enemies can come. Uh, God has, has guarded and protected his people that have come back, but now there's no covenant. And the people are going to come. And they're going to be uh, experience fresh waves of invasion and oppression. The second staff, union, broken in verse 14. What's the signal? This renewed division of, uh, that's going to be within the covenant community. They no longer have the safety of shepherds who care for the flock. Now their whole life is going to be uh, uh, just uh, uh, strife and disunity between brothers and sisters, between friends, no longer friends, just turmoil, a life of, of, of relentless turmoil and hostility. That's the breaking of these two staffs, verse 10 and verse 14. And in between those two things, there's this puzzling statement. These few verses, they're very important though. And deals with the price that Zacharias paid for being a shepherd. Verses 12 and 13, right? He, so pay me what I'm due for being a shepherd. If you don't think I'm worth anything, don't pay me. But if you, whatever you think I'm worth, pay me that. And they weigh out, did you notice? 30 pieces of silver. He mockingly calls it a lordly price. <laughs> But that's all he is worth to them. All the shepherding care, uh, all as he represents the, the covenant God, all that that's worth to them, 30 pieces of silver. And so the Lord tells Zechariah, throw it to the potter. And he does that. Verse 13, he throws them to the potter, who for some reason, it's not clear, he's in the temple, he's in the house of the Lord. Now you read those words, and even as we read them before and as we bring them now maybe some bells are ringing in your head like 30 pieces of silver that seems very familiar where have i heard 30 pieces of silver well now this whole drama is up right the ante is up so it goes from uh if you will you know the hallmark movies where you know the plot already and it's just so now it's it's just up to Andy, and now it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Because, man, I did not see this coming at all. It's gone from being this drama about these shepherds that were not taking care of the flock, and now it's a passion play, isn't it? Now it takes on this whole new significance. Now it's not just simply this model shepherd who's taking care of these afflicted sheep. Now it's this passion play, and he dramatizes the coming and life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, who also has told us that there are thieves and robbers who seek to steal from his flock in John 10, 8. 
who said they've come to steal and kill and destroy in John 10.10. Zechariah, like our Savior, said that there are hirelings who don't really care for the sheep. They're only interested in personal gain. That there will be wolves who come in, and when they do, they, the hireling will run and leave the flock to its danger. John 10, 12, and 13. So just like there were false teachers in Zechariah's day, and just like there were false teachers in Jesus' day, false shepherds is still a reality and a problem today. But, and this is where our text points us, Jesus, he's the good shepherd, isn't he? The good shepherd, he knows his own and his own know him. He lays down his life for the sheep, John 10, 15. He will purchase the favor of God for the afflicted ones of the fold. He will obtain the unity that is needed. Uh, all that Zachariah's staffs symbolize. Jesus says, I have other sheep, not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. That unity, Jesus comes and achieves it. So Zechariah's drama ultimately points us to Jesus, doesn't it? Shorter Catechism tells us that Jesus subdues us to himself, rules and defends us, restrains and conquers all his enemies and our enemies. He's the true, Jesus is the perfect shepherd. And that's never more clear than in verses 12 and 13 here. So the people, they say, oh, here you go, Zechariah. You're worth 30 pieces of silver. And that's an insult to Zechariah. But that shepherding ministry of Zechariah, it was a symbol, wasn't it? Of the infinitely valuable good shepherd who came to care for the people of God. Who, who could put a price on that, who could put a price on God himself, becoming man, caring? Well, that's exactly what the false shepherds did in Jesus' day, wasn't it? And what, did, what value did they put on Jesus' life? When Judas betrays him, what's Jesus' life worth? 30 pieces of silver. And when those 30 pieces are thrown back into the temple. The priest, the chief priest, they take them and they buy the potter's field as a burial ground. Matthew 27, verses 9 and 10. Quotes this passage from Jeremiah saying, this is directly fulfilled in these moments. Friends, it points us to Christ, doesn't it? Do you see the good shepherd? Do you see him? Gaze upon him, meditate upon him, set your heart upon him. Now, this must have been an extremely difficult season in Zechariah's ministry, right? This is a rough time. But this points us, doesn't it, to Jesus. These trials that Zechariah faces, the judgment that he speaks about, that are talked about here in chapter 11, 
this judgment need not fall on you. It doesn't need to fall on you because of Christ, because of the work of the good shepherd, the, the one that Zechariah ultimately points us to. We need to remember as we read this that this wrath, the consuming fire that, that, that sweeps these away, the wrath that I deserve fell on Christ, that the shepherd himself became the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world, points us to Christ. What an, what an irony, right? The Lord Jesus is devoured and destroyed by the flock he comes to save. But because, because he was destroyed, sinners don't die when Jesus takes their place. Wrath is diverted. The wrath we deserve is diverted because the shepherd becomes the lamb that is slain. And the sheep of the flock, the people of his pasture, they live. Do you see Christ today? Fix your heart's eye on him. Set your hopes on him. He is the good shepherd. There is this funeral dirge. There is this depiction of the work of the good shepherd, this passion play. Just last, real quick. Look at the work of the foolish shepherd. Verses 15 to 17. Now Zachariah has to play the bad shepherd. Here's the bad shepherd. This, re this rebellious people gets a shepherd, and he doesn't care for them, right? He doesn't care for the sheep. And now it ends with another song, but this time it's not a dirge, it's curses. It's a song of judgment. It pronounces judgment and condemnation on this false shepherd who's going to come. Now, some commentators said this is Antiochus Epiphanes. So like during that intertestamental time, he comes in, desecrates the temple. He brings in, he imposed a Hellenistic uh, religion on the people. Some have suggested this was Herod Agrippa from the time of Christ. Some said it was Rome, uh, the Roman Emperor Titus who saw in AD 70 the fall of Jerusalem. He oversaw that brought it about but again and again and again the it's over and over again saying when the people don't take the only shepherd that can save them the only one who can bring the favor of God and the unity among the people of God when he is rejected they get shepherds they deserve over and over again in history that plays out people who run from the Lord they run from the Lord Jesus, the prophet, priest, and king that they need. They run from the good shepherd. Where, where else can you turn but bad shepherds, evil shepherds, deceivers, tyrants, rulers that are, have no mercy? History is littered with examples of that. And you can just, great and small, local and global, you can just list them. In your mind, you can just think about it. We don't have to say all the names. But when the good shepherd is rejected, where else can you turn? 
The Bible says that one day uh, that long line of foolish shepherds, false shepherds, ultimately is going to culminate and be embodied is one that the scriptures call the lawless one, the lawless man, the antichrist. Where, if you reject the good shepherd, where else can you turn? There's nowhere else. Zechariah's point, there are two kings, friends. There's the rule of King Jesus, and there's the rule of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Who's going to be your king? Who is going to be your shepherd? Who is it going to be? Which will you choose? Which will you have to rule over you? Who will care for you? The good shepherd who gave his life for you? Or will you turn to thieves and robbers and hirelings that will desert you to wolves, to false prophets, to foolish shepherds who will use you and abuse you for their own gain. That's Zechariah's message. And so, whose watch care are you under? The good shepherd or not? There's only two. Maybe you're hearing, you are a wandering sheep and you are lost. The good shepherd is seeking you. He's calling you. He wants you. Come. Come into the fold. I will take care of you. Don't choose the, the evil uh, counterpart, counterfeit shepherds. No, the good shepherd has laid down his life for the sheep. Look to him and live. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we praise you for you are great and glorious. Thank you for Christ who has come and he's taken care of the people of God. And he brings your favor and unity among his people by his spirit. Now, Lord, as we sing triumphantly of Christ's resurrection from the dead, set all of our affections and joy upon Christ. Lord, for those that are not believers this morning, may they look to Christ to be saved. as he cares for their soul. Rivet our attention to Jesus. That we would say hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen.